I feel like I'm saying flatbread. Flat yeah. I'm saying flatbed. <laughs> Yum. Sounds delicious. <laughs> Tasty. <laughs> Welcome to Hot Off the Press, a podcast that provides knowledge and emotional support for new and aspiring printers. I'm Jillian of Studio Soprano. And I'm Mariah of Mariah Creates, and we are two letterpress printers who believe in sharing our knowledge and learning together. We're here to help bridge the gap between antique printing methods and modern design. So hang up your apron, put down those palette knives, and let's get into what's hot off the press. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Hot Off the Press. I am Mariah, and I'm here with Jillian of Studio Soprano, and we are going to be talking about flatbed and cylinder presses this week. Yeah, we're going to go through a couple of episodes talking about the different types of presses. Um, So this will be great for anyone who's interested in learning about the different types of presses that are out there, whether you own one already or you might want to own one in the future Or if you're just curious about how things work, um, then we're here for you. We talked about uh, platen presses in our last episode. So if you haven't heard that yet, you should go take a listen. Um, Those are the types of presses that Jillian and I both personally operate. Um, But there are lots of other presses out there in the world. And some of them have uh, some advantages that platen presses do not. So let's get into the fine print. Yes, please. So Mariah (laughs) has the most experience with our press of the day, the flatbed press. So um, I'm going to have her give us a little bit of the anatomy, maybe a teens of the history. (laughs) Tell us about it, Mariah. Tell us about the flatbed. I do love some history. Yeah. So um, you, if you're at all familiar with letterpress, you may have heard of a company called Vandercook. Um, Those are probably the most popular, the most readily known um, table or uh, flatbed presses. It's technically a flatbed plus a cylinder press. So there's really two components to these presses. Um, There are galley presses, which have just the cylinder. um, And then there are flatbed presses, which have just the bed. So there's there's some kind of like alternatives to this. But what we're talking about specifically are flatbed cylinder presses. So two most important parts, I would say um, you have your (laughs) flatbed. Have I said that enough yet? (laughs) Um, And that's where your form, your lead type, your wood type, your linoleum block, whatever it is that you're printing, the the image or text that you want to print on the paper, that's where that's going to go. And it lays truly flat on a parallel to the ground. So you're kind of laying it down on a table, if you will. And uh, then there are uh, the rollers and there's um, a couple of different ink rollers. There's usually like three, sometimes more, sometimes less, uh, depending one bigger, a couple smallers, et cetera. That can vary from press to press. Um, So these ink rollers sit in front of a cylinder and the cylinder is actually what your paper goes onto. So you are going to roll all three of these things. So, or all of these rollers and all these round things, if you will, the cylinder and the the anchor rollers are going to roll together over the form and they're going to carry the ink and then the paper right behind it over the, over the image or the text that you're trying to print. So it's a really interesting process. Um, and, you know, there's a little flat like feed tray where you put your paper and you line it up with the cylinder and get it all perfected um, and line that up with the form below. And then you just fire away and you kind of walk along with the cylinder usually because they're a little longer, um, maybe just a step or two. There's a foot pedal sometimes. Uh, most of them are motorized. So the ink rollers move from a motor inside of the press itself. Um, so it's a pretty like 
I would say it's a little more high tech than like the platen presses that we work with, um, mostly because a lot of these presses are much newer. They were made in like the 1940s, 50s, 60s, whereas our presses were created in the late 1800s and early 1900s. So there's definitely like some advantage to the more modern technology. Um, so that's definitely a, an advantage to these presses in particular. And I think another huge advantage to these presses, which we touched on a tiny bit in our platen press episode, is an even impression. So letterpress is all about the physical impression that the form leaves on the paper. And historically, if you were printing books or, you know, text or letters, that kind of thing, you wouldn't want like a really deep impression. You would want just a kiss impression. But modern printers, fine art printers like we are, want that super deep bite. So you want to see the shadows from the letterpress on that paper. Um, it showing through on the other side of the paper is not really a bad thing in our world. Um, we use super soft cotton paper or even handmade paper for this purpose. So Vandercooks, because the cylinder only has such a small area that's hitting the form at any one time, it's always going to hit, like it's always going to hit at the exact same height. So it's going to be a super even impression. And you can print really long pieces and get the perfect even impression that you would probably not get on a platen <laughs> press. So I think that's probably like, to me, that's a huge advantage, knowing how difficult it can be on a platen press to get an impression perfect all the way around the paper is like, it's envious. I'm, I'm envious of people with flatbed presses. <laughs> I'm yeah. distinctly jealous. Yeah. They're not easy to have, though, because they're so large. I mean, just to give you kind of like an idea... Um, you know, a f the footprint of Vandercook's pretty popular model is what the SP 15. Yeah, that's about like three feet by six feet. Yeah. And, you know, and then you need space around it to be able to access like all of the parts and to be able to oil and everything. So like, you kind of totally. need like a sizable footprint in your shop yeah. for for one of these bad boys. But like, man, we talked about printing posters and stuff in the platen episode and like you just can't really print like a good large. especially not on mine my little guy yeah. yeah you can't print like a large like poster size um and even if you could like fit it on your bed the likelihood of you getting an even impression across the whole thing is slim to none <laughs> yeah but on yeah. these flatbreads like I am blown away I'm blown yeah. away by how beautifully they do what they do yeah and I think also like when you're considering that the rollers are moving with your paper, like at the same pace your paper is moving, like I think even inking as well as even impression is probably to be noted as well. Like the fact that no matter how far you roll it down your form, it's going to be the same as it was two inches ago is like for those of us who run platen presses is like unreal. <laughs> That's like a dream right. scenario, you know, like that sounds incredible. I'll take two. Thank you very much. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like the flatbed presses have, um, like the one ink roller that kind of becomes your ink well, right? Yeah. So like it sort of maintains your ink yeah. level. So the Vandercooks that I've worked with have, I think, four rollers. So there's an oscillating larger like cylinder underneath that's like in the press. And that stays permanently like at the beginning of the press before you roll away from it. So that like so that one meets up with two rubber rollers, which are similar to what you and I have on our platen presses, the same material and everything, but they're a little larger. So it meets up with those two. And those two meet up with another metal cylinder roller above that. And that's a larger one as well. So there's two big rollers and two smaller rollers. And those four together 
are what get inked up. And so the top roller is where you'd put your ink on and it would spread to the lower rollers. So your rollers are going to be super evenly inked throughout. There's not going to be like an area that you're never going to have like ghosting, which sometimes you do with platen presses where like when you have a large print area, it's already lost the ink because it, it like hit an earlier area. Like that won't happen as, as I mean, it probably could, I guess, but it wouldn't happen as easily with Vandercooks because you have one large and two smaller rollers that all have ink on them. So like the likelihood of get, getting ghosting is probably minimal at, at, at worst. Um, so I think that's a huge advantage, like just even inking in general. Um, so yeah, those three ink rollers out of the four and then your cylinder, that's what your paper actually gets like kind of wrapped around are what go down the press together. And so like, it's just a beautiful, like, I feel like it's a very like fluid and like symbiotic kind of like style of printing. Whereas like platen press is literally just like hoping for the best, you know, <laughs> like I feel like you just throw paper just in there paper. and like, just hope it all comes out right. You know, like you dab a little more ink whenever you get a chance. Like, I don't know. It's just really funny. I feel like they're different there's styles. There's so many things. Yeah. There's so many things about the platen press that you just have to say a prayer for. Um, yeah. I mean, and this first one that I want to mention is kind of common through all letterpress, but like your ink when you mix it up, looks absolutely nothing like it will when it prints. Um, and because letterpress inks are transparent, the thicker the ink on your rollers and stuff, the darker the color it'll be. So like on um, a platen, you know, your rollers, especially if you just freshly like loaded up the press with ink, your rollers might be like a little ink heavy at first. And so you kind of have to go through like a couple yeah. of prints to sort of like see what it's actually going to print like. I can't tell you how many times I've been like, yes, I've nailed this color. And then like five prints in, I'm like, ah, crap. <laughs> this this yeah. is way lighter it takes than I like, wanted it to be. Totally. Whereas like on the Vandercooks, I feel like because the ink is so evenly spread, like and you also can put yeah. more ink on them. Like with platen presses, like I feel like if you tried to overload if you okay, if you tried to overload the ink, you would almost definitely have like like smudges around the edges of your form that you're printing. Like it probably just mm -hmm. wouldn't work out. Whereas like I feel like Vandercooks have a little more forgiveness, you know, like you can maybe slather a little bit more ink on there and get away with it, you know, which will give you better coverage. And because it's so even, like it won't overwhelm your form. Like I'm not, I, you know, I'm I convince me if otherwise if you know better than I do but no I really I, feel like no I'd agree I also like the fact that when you first print with a flatbed like your first print is usually lighter so then you because like the rollers are kind of like just going and whatever and it's inking up your plate like the first time so like the first one's usually lighter and then your second print you really start to see like what your color is going to really look like whereas for me on my platen it's the opposite like my first print is always going to be darker even if like I have good ink coverage it's just still that like whatever first print that's going to be a little bit darker um so I do love that and I also think that because of the way that the Vandercook inks up um or any of the flatbreads I feel like I'm saying flatbread. Flat yeah. I'm saying flatbed. <laughs> Yum. Sounds delicious. <laughs> Tasty. Uh, the way that any of the flatbed printers ink up is it leaves you like more opportunity for like fun play of colors. Like you could do ombres a lot easier 
Yeah. Um, I have tried ombres on my platen, but I have to disengage the ink disc. And it creates a lot of other issues because since your ink disc isn't rolling, then you start to get like a repeated negative space on there. So you have to go in with a brayer. Yeah. Which wouldn't happen on a Vandercook. Exactly. Exactly. So if you want to do something fancy, like a little ombre situation, a little rainbow action. Yeah. Like this is definitely a good machine for it. Yeah, putting multiple colors on a press, that's like that's a whole different ball game than what you and I are able to do easily anyway. Um, and also that being said, so I think like what you're talking about with the platinum press is like when you're first inking up your press, you let it run. Like I have a motor, so I just turn it on and I let it go. And I let the rollers and the ink disc work together to distribute the ink evenly. And then I put my form into the – I stop the press. I put the form into the bed of the press and then I try a first print. Whereas a Vandercook, like you could just let it ink up forever. It would never over ink mm-hmm. your form because it's only going to ink when you run the cylinder and the rollers down the down the bed of the press. It's never going to over ink your form. It's only going to ink it one time every time you roll it down. Like Chandler and Price's Latin presses just keep inking inevitably unless you stop the press itself. So like how cool is that? Like you just can let it run as long as you need to. I think that's a lot of reason like why – I think a Vandercook would be awesome, especially if you're doing fine art stuff like um, they are. So as a con for the list, they are a little more like manual as far as the actual printing process than like what I do. Um, I think it's debatable whether your foot treadle press is less or more labor than a Vandercook. No, Um, I I think I think the Vandercook is for sure more labor. Yeah, for sure. Because there's a lot of movement with it. Like I stand in place and my hand is literally moving like from my side to the front of me, from my side to the front of me. And I I can print a print every four seconds. Yeah. I'm not quite sure you could do a print every four seconds on a Vandercook. Definitely not. I don't know. Like maybe a Vandercook printer can tell us like how fast they can print. But like I don't think that for large quantities, a flatbed press would be good. Um, I think that like if I was going to do more than like a couple hundred of something, there's no way you could convince me to do it on a flatbed unless it was very specific, like a super large print area or like, you know, there was a need that you really had um, that only a flatbed press could do. But um, yeah, so not really meant for larger quantities of things because they're a little more manual. Um, But on the other end of the spectrum, the less manual side of things is like the make ready and the setup because yeah, you actually don't sure. need as many like so your ink or so your form, whether it's a metal base with your photopolymer plate or if it's lead type, like you can actually set the type into the bed of the press and then just throw some furniture like reglets around that and be done with it. Like that's your lockup. That's your make ready. It's super easy. Um, you don't have to move the type or your form back and forth. Like on my press, I have to take it off. I have to put it on. I have to take it off. I have to put it on. Like. So you're, everything has to be locked up super tight on a platen press. But on a flatbed press, it's going to stay pretty much where it is, like other than something moving over it. As long as it doesn't like wiggle, you're pretty much good to go. Um, and if it does wiggle, as long as it's not up and down, you're probably still okay. <laughs> like <laughs> as long as it doesn't wiggle up and down, you're okay. Side to side, probably going to be fine. Uh, probably, you know, like probably fine a little bit. Um, so that does help. Like I think the setup for plat- like a flatbed press is a lot easier and as far as make ready goes, which if those of, for those of you who are not familiar with the term make ready, um, 
basically it means like making sure that your paper is lined up to with what you're printing and that your um, impression is going to be even. So, and the impression is either deep or, or shallow enough based on what you want. Um, you adjust packing and lining things up. And yeah, it's all collaborate- the things that go into making your print ready. It's exactly what it sounds like. Yeah, it's exactly what it sounds like. Um, and for mm-hmm. Vandercooks and flatbed presses, I think that's a little less than some other types of presses. Um, it's I think I think it's on the lower end as far as like make ready processes are. Um, and also for adjustments, it's super easy. Like, so your cylinder has a row of grippers along one like line of it. So um, that's actually what holds on to the paper itself. So there's a like a flat feed tray, like a little table at the beginning of the press, and you line your paper up. There's a little edger. And you can adjust that. So like lining up side to side where your form is on the bed of the press, you just adjust that a little bit um, to make sure your paper is in line with it. And then usually there's a a pedal you step on. You step on the pedal and the grippers like raise up. You slide your paper in there, let go of the pedal, and then you roll the cylinder and the rollers down down the bed of the press. And that's all it takes to like adjust if like your, if your alignment is off by a 16th of an inch fine you just adjust the little like edger on the top of the press and voila it's straight now like it's centered (laughs) you know like how easy is that like for you and I we would have to remove our entire plate and re-register the entire thing to fix the alignment issue like it yeah I don't know sounds great yeah I feel like um in hindsight it probably would have been good to like go through like problems we have with these presses (laughs) yeah one of them is registration and so for me just from the way that I set up my gauge pens and everything on um my platen I don't really like to move those around so they are where they are if I am going to move anything it is most likely going to be my plate so I pull the plate off the base reline it up set it all up again And um, the only time that like if it's really close, I'll use like a piece of foam tape and like bump up like where the paper is sitting into like the little gauges that I have. But other than that, like I have to just like you said, take the plate off and like kind of start from scratch. When I saw how you register on a flatbed, I was like, oh, my God, I need one of these. Yeah, (laughs) it's totally amazing. It is amazing. And the fact that like the cylinder, like I don't even know if like cylinders wear down over time or what it is, but it seems like the packing can be like a flat sheet of paper. Whereas for me, I know for my platen press and I know for some windmills that I have experience with, when you're doing the make ready, your packing almost looks like a topography map. Like it's cut out in all weird shapes to accommodate either where the plate is or just inconsistencies in your bed, like all of these little things. And on a flatbed press, it seems like the cylinder is so nice and even. It's like, oh, you need another sheet of paper? Throw another sheet of paper in. That's that's totally true. And like it's that's all make ready is for a Vandercook or flatbed press is like you literally just underneath the piece of paper you're putting in those grippers that go over the cylinder, you're just putting a second sheet. Like it could be copy like text weight paper or it could be a really thick piece of paper depending on how much packing you need. Like 
And that would vary depending on the, the like whatever you're printing, you know, if it was a small amount of text versus if you were using lead type, you obviously wouldn't use as much because you don't want to damage the type, et cetera, et cetera. But for like those of us who use yeah. photo, photopolymer plates, they're pretty much like, I mean, they're disposable essentially. They're not super eco-friendly, but they're disposable. So you can smash them all you want. Like it's not going to hurt the press really. I mean, there's probably exceptions <laughs> yeah. to that rule. Like that's not a hard and, hard and fast rule, but you can smash them lead type not so much like if you drop a piece of lead type you could dent it like (laughs) you know what I mean so you can pretty much just add as much paper as you need to um and with platen presses so you ran into this issue you talked about it last episode with your larger patterns that you're doing with the tigers and all those things like these larger print areas can actually jam your platen presses when there's not enough they sure do there's not enough like momentum to keep it going it can jam it you have to back out of it etc with Vandercook's I don't know that that would happen. I mean, I suppose if it did, you would just roll the cylinder back, but um, you can probably do a little bit more smashing on a Vandercook than you could on a platen press, which for those of us who like that super deep impression, that that big bite, you know, that is a lot more flexible, I think. So yeah, definitely some yeah. advantages to the, the, t- the flatbed and cylinder presses. I think for me, the biggest con is how expensive they are and i think that's why more people don't own them i suppose they're like super easy to move you can just put them on a pallet jack like they're not top heavy like the platen presses are which is part of why they're Mm -hmm. a larger footprint and they take up more space so they're easier to move they take more space they're not as heavy but they're way more expensive you know like there's a give and a take for sure um, yeah. So Vandercooks like north of ten thousand dollars more yeah, expensive. Vandercooks go for anywhere from ten to thirteen thousand dollars easily. Um, which if you're starting out letterpress printing, it's like that's a huge investment. Um, if it's not, you're welcome to buy us presses, and we will definitely teach you how to use them. <laughs> but like that's a lot of money for somebody to put into something uh, that's very specific industry. So yeah, I definitely think like that's a huge con that's a huge disadvantage to flatbed presses but yeah man it would be great to have one or seven even just having one of these bad boys man i'd i'd be stoked (laughs) and like i said it honestly it's it's one of those things where it wouldn't be every job because i do like the cadence i could get on yeah uh, my like let me tell you once i get a windmill that's over for you bitches (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah these flatbed presses are not that yeah. efficient like i like for those of us who are making greeting cards or doing business cards or lots of one thing i feel like a flatbed press is not really it like i can crank out hundreds of copies a minute an hour on my platen press it's motorized too so mm-hmm. for my motorized platen press i literally stand in place and I take paper in my right hand, I put it into the, the bed of the press, onto the platen, and I let it get printed. And then I take it out with my left hand. That's all of the manual work that goes into actually running the press. Um, if you're going to print hundreds of something, I think that's the way to go. If you don't have a windmill, which is automated, you know, like that's that's as good as it gets. Um, you have to pedal, which is a little more work, but it's still the same concept. Like we're both standing in place, essentially, like. That's, you know, it's a mm-hmm. lot less physical labor to print on those. Um, and I I would assume we can print a lot faster than somebody on a flatbed press um, just because having to yeah, reload just the paper you have to roll it and back run too. it through. Yeah. And yeah. oh, yeah, that's another thing about the, fl- the Vandercooks and the flatbed presses. 
yeah, so when you get to the end of the the bed, when you roll your rollers and your cylinder down the bed, you get your print. Um, you have to hit the end of the bed for the grippers to release it. Um, you wouldn't roll back with your paper still on it because it would just get all messed up and, and gunky and creased and stuff. So you have to roll all the way to the end of the bed of the press, which is why it takes a couple steps to get there. Um, you know, they're six foot long or five foot long, you know, pieces of equipment. So that's definitely like a disadvantage, you know, or it's a little bit, a little bit trickier. You know, you have to physically walk down the press, um, and in kind of a, a random tangent, like accessibility, like if you were handicapped or like you were in a wheelchair, you probably wouldn't be able to operate one of these. Yeah. I mean, you'd probably need some sort of like some sort of handle that reaches down to the pedal and well, the yeah, pedal, then you would have to reach the up the, t- the top yeah. is so high. Yeah. It's not hand. It's not friendly for sure yeah that's interesting i never really thought about that i feel like i mean platen presses wouldn't be ideal either but it would be doable as long as you could get up high enough to run it um yeah interesting because you stay you stay kind of at that one level mm-hmm. uh for platen presses like if you whatever had like a chairlift or something yeah. um you know you could sit there yeah and just run but like the windmills yeah like their starting bed is quite high and then it lowers because the paper comes down kind of to where the bed is right well the paper is level with the top of the cylinder oh no it turns all the way over so here so think picture this so you're standing with the press in front of you perpendicular to your body right so like on the left Mm -hmm. is your feed tray which is where you would probably put your like paper and the gripper is mm-hmm. usually on the far side. So it's across the press from you. So it's a couple feet across. And then you'll slide the paper to your right. And then with your right hand, you would turn the crank of the cylinder and walk two steps to the end of the press mm-hmm. and then back. So it's like, you know, you'd have to have your foot down. You'd have to have your hand across the press. And then you'd have to let go of both of those and then walk to the right while rolling it. You know, like that's not very like ergonomically friendly let alone if you have any kind of like uh mobility issue you know like that'd be really hard to do mm-hmm. or even just short yeah you're just short <laughs> yeah it's not gonna be if you're tiny yeah i mean they're not that tall if you were a like... petite printer yeah, yeah. no so yeah. <laughs> chloe and i actually had a conversation about being tall and printing one day like because i think she's probably about the same i don't know what height she is but i'm i'm like five eight ish you're about the same height mm-hmm. um and we were talking about our presses. We, we all have platen presses, the three of us were talking about. And so Chloe and I were joking, like, I have little, like, uh, cinder blocks that I stand on in front of my press. That's what I stand on to bring me up to, like, the right level. But she was like, yeah, it's so weird. I don't know how people used to print while these were, like, you know, like, when people were shorter. Like, we are probably about average height for men that would have been printing on these when they first came out. And I was like, it's because mine's on a riser. It's not on the ground. It's like five inches off the ground. So I need five inches to get to it. You know, like, it's so funny mm-hmm. how we like, I don't know, we've evolved. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, we're taller now. But like, the press hasn't gotten any taller. We're The, the press is the same height. <laughs> Humans yeah. are averagely or more tall. Averagely. Averagely. Is that a word? I'm losing it. I actually um, think Gordy is kind of short. He's a small yeah, guy. Like was, he's small in many ways, but he's his bed or his um platen. The feed tray is yeah. not very high and neither yeah. is like what what do we call the tray that's like right next to the platen? 
Like, is there a name for this? The one in front is the feed tray, but to the right is the feed tray too. That's also, I think they're both just feed trays. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So like my feed tray that is at like here, it hits my belly button. Yeah. So it's pretty low. And then like my other feed tray is kind of like chest height. Yeah. So nice. Yeah. So, um, I was surprised when I first saw your Gordy, uh, press that it was so much smaller than my Chandler and Price. Like, it's such a good yeah. size. Like, I really think that that size is perfect for, like, at home, like, for somebody getting into letterpress. Like, it's the perfect size. I looked at a Golding uh, Pearl, actually. I saw – there was one locally that I really wanted, but it was very expensive um, for me. It was, like, two – I think he wanted, like, $2,000 for it or something crazy. Um, and they are rare, mm-hmm. and they're the perfect size um, because they're very compact. Like, it was, like – I think the press itself is something, like – two and a half feet by two and a half feet like it's super small like wow yeah and it was foot treadle as well so it didn't require a motor anything but regardless I digress um yeah yeah the height is is an interesting thing I was surprised by how small your press was when I first saw it um because it's not like it's a similar printable area to what I have but it's a lot more compact and a little more efficient space wise so yeah that was interesting uh what else love it oh i do want to add um a potential con to the flatbed Ugh, I get it. <laughs> are you hungry <laughs> <The> flatbed. <laughs> what do you Probably. have for dinner tonight flatbreads <laughs> i have no idea little pizza um a potential con <laughs> a potential con to the flatbed is uh that you can't or most designs, I should say, because depending on what your design is, you might be able to do a full uh, finished trim size print, mm. but you can't usually print um, the finished length because you have to feed it into the grippers and there's like an inch and a half or two inches yeah, that's of a great negative point. space. So depending on your design size, like if you're, let's say you're doing an invitation, if like the top half or bottom half of your invitation is empty, then yes, you could probably run it um, cut to size. But if you have any kind of border or if your text is just like close to the top, close to the bottom, you're going to have to actually do a cut size that is larger than, you know, the five by seven finish. Yeah. And then trim it down after, which if you're like me and you don't have a an electronic cutter. guillotine, yeah, that sounds like a nightmare. Yeah. So that is definitely a thing. Um, so the grippers are are definitely like an impediment to your print area. Um, otherwise, I mean, I think technically like on the platen presses, you should – like if you're doing a full bleed, like where an image or something goes off the edge of the paper, like I think hypothetically you're probably supposed to just print those at a, at a larger size and cut them down. But – we can kind of get away with it on a platen press because, you know, like there's a little like extra space to wiggle with on the like platen itself. Um, whereas with a cylinder on the Vandercook, like I feel like you would run into more issues with that um, and getting like extra ink onto your paper and that kind of thing, um, let alone the grippers themselves. So like if you just oriented it so your design wasn't towards the grippers you might be okay but if it was like a full bleed on like all four edges you'd have to print on a full size piece and then cut it down to the size that you want um mm-hmm. whereas with a chandler and price you could or like with a platinum press you could probably get away with that a little bit um but we still yeah. have gauge pins so it's kind of the same you know like our gauge pins cause the same issue that the grippers would just probably less so yeah um i always cut to size yeah 
I have done full bleed both ways. Um, I have found that for a full bleed on my platen press, it works for me to do only a little bit of a full bead because I don't have that much printable area and I lose impression and ink coverage the larger it gets. So the less bleed I can do is better for me um, in general. Yeah. I did do Same. a border, uh, which was very difficult. Um, and it took a lot of work and a little bit of tears. Um, no blood, definitely some sweat. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's hard. Like I think that would be a perfect job for a Vandercook, like a full detailed border would be perfect on a Vandercook and then you would just cut it down to size. Whereas like a platen press, it probably is not ideal. Um, just trying to get that even impression all the way around a piece of paper is really hard. Um, so yeah, I think yeah. different jobs are suited to different presses, you know, depending on what you want to make, you know, that's going to determine what kind of press is going to work for you. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the reasons I'm so envious of people who have flatbeds is that it's so much easier to do like, um, larger areas of pattern and stuff like that that yeah just, it's really challenging to do with a platen you can I always I do a lot of full bleed I do a lot of patterns that are full bleed and sometimes I think about the gauge pins when I'm designing and sometimes I don't and yeah. I get my plate and I'm like ah shit how am I gonna do this but I always figure it out and it always ends up working um, I have never had to rework a design to be able to successfully print it yeah. um so there's definitely ways around it but sure. man would my life be so much easier if i had access to one of these bad boys because yeah. they are great okay so one other thing i was thinking about earlier is um being left-handed or being right-handed like letterpress Ooh. is pretty much made for right-handed people but you could probably print on a platen press with left like if you're left-handed like I don't think it would be too difficult to like make that a left-handed thing but a Vandercook you could not the handle is literally on the right side of your body when you start like you would just have to adapt to being right-handed to print like I think that's really interesting to think about there's like because the handle's only on one side of the machine you can't roll the cylinder from the other side of the machine there's just not an option so that is something to consider yeah. too. If you're left-handed, <laughs> you may not want a flatbed press. Uh, yeah, because the pedal it. and the handle are all on one side. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Yeah. The things you don't think about until like yeah. you're a left-handed person or whatever, you know, like, I don't know. Are you a left-handed person? No, I should have said, I said that. And then I was like, I'm not a left-handed person when I'm talking about it. Right like, <laughs> silly. Uh, you get the idea. It's the funny, the things you don't think yeah. about until you know them. And then you're like, why didn't anyone think of it sooner? So a little history. I don't have much for you on this because I didn't want to get too much into dates. We already covered a lot of history of presses in general, but the first cylinder flatbed press. So like these Vanderkoeks were talking about, um, was built in Germany and it was used to print the times in London in 1814. So I think what's really interesting about this is this probably would have been one of the first times that they would have printed like a full newspaper in one go rather than mm -hmm. doing sections, you know, like on the platen presses. So I think that's really cool to think about. Like imagine broadsides and posters becoming popular because of these types of presses. Um, yeah. So I think that's kind of interesting. I also think it's worth mentioning that there's also like there's flatbed presses. And then what we're talking about with Vandercooks is flatbed and cylinder presses. Like the two things are combined. Flatbed presses are a little more like when you picture like 
Jamie Fraser and Outlander printing on his press. That's a flatbed press where it's just one flat piece of equipment that gets cranked down to meet a flat form with paper over it. And like you would ink that manually and you would put the paper on top and then you would press it. So it's a different kind of type of press. But yeah, so we're very fortunate that like in the 1900s, you know, they came up or I guess 1814, they came up with these flatbed and cylinder presses. Like what a creation. Um, And 1814 is way before the invent, like, before our presses were modernized, before platen presses were really like common. So it is interesting to think that they both kind of started around the same time um, and only one of them survived into the mid 1900s, (laughs) 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 at least production wise. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I also like as someone who works on such a small scale regularly, I got like emotional when I saw how big of a bed. (laughs) Yeah. The flatbed has. And it's like, as soon as I saw it, I was like, wow, I can actually like put my mind back into the time where someone was setting lines and lines of type for a newspaper. And just like, what a job that must have been. And thousands of words. Oh, uh, thousands crazy. of words. So, um, and correct me if I'm wrong though. So they would use these machines as a proofing press yeah right so they would take like they would basically lock up the type for that paper yep this has a lot to do with how like less complicated uh make ready is for flatbed presses so with a flatbed press when you put your type your lead type into onto the bed and it still wiggles around a little bit right there's more room to play with and you can there's you know, locking up, when you lock up your type, you use what's called a coin. And when you just, when you loosen the coin, you can take out a letter, replace a letter. So you tighten, you put your, you put your lead type in, in the bed of the press, you get it all tightened up, you lock your coins and you run a copy through there. You ink up the press, you run a copy, you realize you mixed up a P and a Q. All you have to do is unlock that coin, swap out the letters, lock it back up again, and you're good to go. So they would use it as a proofing press because it's really easy to make adjustments while you're looking at it. Whereas with a platen press, which is what you might use to make all the final copies, that's much more efficient for large quantities, but it's a lot harder to make adjustments. So when you lock up that chase, you have to lock it up so tight that you can carry the chase with the type in it. There's no back to this chase. It's just a, a like a, a an open frame. Like a frame. You have to lock it up mm-hmm. tight enough that you can carry it to the press and that it's secure enough that as the press moves and rattles for hundreds or thousands of copies, it's not going to fall out or wiggle out of there or, you know, get wonky or anything like that. So they would basically set all of the type for everything they're going to print in the proving presses, the flatbed presses, make a couple copies, make sure there's no adjustments that need to be made. And then once it was all finalized, they would slide sections off or the whole thing and put it into a chase and a platen press and then fire away and get all the thousands of copies printed that way so that's why it's called a proofing press love it yeah isn't that crazy love it um yeah. i just cannot imagine printing hundreds of something on a vander cook i think i printed like in so i took a class uh in letterpress at a local center for book arts here in minnesota um which is amazing they have some really awesome offerings um letterpress of course but they also have like book arts like actual bookbinding classes and origami classes, paper making, anything you can think of. 
Um, but it was really interesting because we set all of our own type and we had to like create a poem and we got to use different colors if we wanted. Um, so I mixed my own ink, um, and took, and took that in with me and, um, yeah. So everyone in the class like printed their own artwork essentially. And then we each got a copy of each thing. And, uh, it was really fun to work with type. I think it was fun because it was novelty for me and it wasn't something I intended to do forever. <laughs> like people who work with type all the time, I bow down to you. Um, you have more patience in your pinky finger than I have in my entire being. Um, I don't know how you put it all away at the end of the day. Like I am impressed. Um, I really think it's incredible. And all puns a lot intended. Of, yeah, literally. Oh, do we ever like say things like that? Like make letterpress puns and we don't even notice them? Probably. Um, Probably. <laughs> but yeah, so working with type is really incredible. It's a lot of labor, of course, but I think that's I think that's like why Vandercook stayed so popular. Like you could test prints and like, you know, you could do one of something and then just remove the form. It's not like, you know what I mean? It'd be really easy. Um, I also wonder, maybe somebody who has a Vandercook can answer this for us, but I wonder, like, as far as leaving ink on the press, um, on a platen press, like, you can kind of leave ink on it. It's not great, but, like, if it's rubber-based ink, you're probably not going to do any damage to it. I would assume the same is true for a Vandercook, as long as it's, like, not too long. You could probably walk away and come back to I'm it. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, yeah. But, okay, so the downside, I think, of, like, all of that is that, like, that big – one of the rollers is in the press itself. Like, to get to it, it's kind of tricky. The motor is inside of the roll the, the press itself. Like, nothing is out there in front of you. Well, not nothing, but most of the stuff is mechanical. It's kind of in the machine itself, whereas, like, like we talked about in platen presses, everything's right there in front of you. So um, I definitely think it would be a little more difficult to maintain a Vandercook um, and to keep it running as smoothly, I guess. But most of them are probably in better condition as well. So it's kind of like a give and take again, but – um yeah I really want one I just don't uh don't currently have the ten thousand dollars to spare <laughs> for a Vandercook um but maybe one day I don't have the square footage yeah I have that <laughs> together the, together we can combine and get a one printing press oh <laughs> uh, that's funny oh if Zach was listening to this right now he'd be like she doesn't have the ten thousand dollars either <laughs> whoops uh, that's what credit cards are for baby it's fine so we'll, edit it. we'll edit that out it's good yeah uh that's funny it's definitely the way that i see it you know all letterpress is more expensive because of the specialized labor that goes into it but truthfully i think if i had a vandercook i would charge more for the things that i was printing on it because it really is more time and i don't know if other shops who have a lot of like various machines on hand they probably don't care to like price things out per machine um but I could see myself doing that I could see myself being like yeah if I could put this on my windmill sure it's this price if I'm putting it on the Vandercook <laughs> it's gonna be a little more expensive yeah I don't I don't know like I think if you had like if you had a windmill a platen press and a Vandercook in your shop I think that you would not necessarily like build pricing out for it but you would definitely print certain jobs on certain presses like you wouldn't print on the Vandercook unless you yeah. had reason to you know what I mean like also if you had a windmill in tip-top shape that was ready to go like wouldn't you just use that for everything like anything more than like 100 copies you'd be like late let's go let's put it on the windmill you know like that's just as easy no. to well okay if the <laughs> if I was doing yeah. some really cool no? like um 
I don't know, if I was doing some really cool registration stuff, um, things that maybe aired on like the side of artistic or if I needed like a good deep impression and there was a lot of in- intricacies in the design, I would for sure put that on the flatbed. And I think what it would be more or less then is it's not necessarily that I'm charging more because it's on that press. I'm charging more because the design is in insane so I think that's probably how people do it like they don't they wouldn't call it like oh I'm printing it on this press so it's more expensive but they're like oh this is a four color overlay blah 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 super tight registration registration. so this is more expensive but yeah in essence what that boils down to is like those jobs require to be required to be printed on certain machines and those machines are more laborious to run and yeah it all costs more, baby. Yeah. It's all the dollar signs. Well, I think like, yeah, I think to summarize, like a Vandercook, a flatbed press is a specialized piece of equipment that does not do everything. And a platen press is a specialized <laughs> piece of equipment that does not do everything. And a windmill is a specialized piece of equipment that does not do everything. And they all do letterpress, but they don't do the same letterpress. You know, like they're each built for different purposes and they each serve different purposes. And we are mostly fine art printers but you know that doesn't mean that our one press works for everything it you know there's a better press for a different type of job for sure um and I think that's why people come down to having several different ones you know like they have different types of presses because they want to be able to do everything then you have to have different types of machines to do that right like you wouldn't use a book binding uh machine to fold trifold pressures, would you you know like (laughs) They like they all serve their own purposes. So I guess that's kind of in a summary of uh, our different types of presses episodes. <laughs> this is our, this is a really uh, terrible statement to make because now I'm like this justifies why I need one of everything. <laughs> yeah, our partners are both no. just like no. You could do so much on your own press, and it's like no, I can't. Must have more. Yeah, must have more. Well, I think. I think moral of the story is every press serves a purpose. They're not all the same. You know, they're all different. And depending on what you want to do with it, there is a press for you. Um, how committed you are and what you plan to make with it and what kind of designs you're making. And also, like we talked about in the last episode, like we have learned even throughout our platinum press experiences, what works yeah. well on our presses and what doesn't, you know, like you design according to that now, you know, like. And there are things that certain people can't even tell you like what works on your press or not because a lot of times other people would disagree with what I can accomplish on my letterpress a lot of people would tell me not to do the things that I do on my letterpress but you know what I do them they work it's fantastic and I love it and so it's one of those things where like you kind of have to just like dive in at some point and figure some things out on your own because yeah there's gonna be some things that people tell you you can't do boop totally and you know that's why we're here like we have been told enough times (laughs) oh you can't do that on your press or oh you're you know a bite impression is the right impression oh that was fun I don't know if anyone said that but I think they should say it um wait can you repeat it you know we've been told enough times yeah a bite impression is the right impression merch merch <laughs> you're welcome merch. to all of the all of the traditionalists out there i've just created a new a, catchphrase a for you. bite impression is great. the right impression uh. <laughs>
No, that's our catchphrase. That's not <gasps> oh, their catchphrase. Man. That's ours. Theirs would be a kiss. Oh, yeah. There's a kiss. Yeah. A kiss is bliss. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or like if it's not a kiss, it's a miss. <gasps> oh, my God, Mariah. Why are you so good at these? Why? Why are you? <laughs> I don't know. Delirium. Core, I don't core know. talents. Oh. If I had to take a survey, what is Mariah? <laughs> Whatever I is core talents like slogans. Man. She's really good at dad jokes and slogans. Yeah. <laughs> if it's not a kiss, it's a miss. The cheesier, the better. I'm dying. Yeah. Okay. Uh, really uh, quick, can you um, can you give our listeners just a little bit more information on the school that you went to, just that program that you did, so yeah. that they could maybe look into yeah, similar programs around them? Because I think that's fantastic. Yeah. So. You're totally right. Um, so I'm very fortunate that in Minneapolis, we have what's known as the Minnesota Center for Book Arts. And it's, uh, you know, it's a beautiful program. They have classes that are, you know, you can work towards uh, degrees and certificates with them um, in fine arts and, and book related sub, uh, studies. So they do everything from teaching book binding to origami, paper making, uh, marbling, all kinds of really interesting and a lot of antique methods of, of making things. And it's everything paper related. They have a little like gift shop as well. And there's uh, like a cafe attached so you can go and like have a coffee and you can walk through the like art gallery that they have. And they'll feature different artists, whether they're local or, uh, you know, worldwide and um downstairs so minneapolis has a lot of like great historical buildings um because you know the mississippi river is here so there's a lot of history and uh mills and things that were in this area so this building like the basement is like limestone walls it's like so cool you literally feel like other than the fluorescent lighting you feel like you're being transported back in time it's just a room full of presses there's tabletop presses and vandercooks aplenty um i think they had like six vandercooks when i went there they did have a couple of floor model platen presses um but they didn't teach on them at that time um i don't know if they have taught on them before but i one of the teachers i spoke to said they were considering doing a platen press class but you'd have to have like certified in the other letterpress courses before you could take that one kind of a thing qualifiers um so anyway they have a huge room of different types of uh type and um actually i think they just announced that they have some of the world's first wood type in other languages wow um i'm gonna have to confirm that stand by because this could be really interesting um it's yeah so it's called the minnesota center for book arts so um, they do like community classes too, at least once COVID is all over, they'll get back to this, I'm sure. But they would do like on like Thursdays or Friday nights, I think it was, they would do like a quick little like tabletop printing class that was like $25, you know, so it's super like friendly, you know, you can go in and like take a small like commit like commitment class, or you could take a full on certification course and get certified in book arts, you know, so they have a lot of options, um, which is really fun. Um yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I saw that. We may have to edit that out. But anyway, they have a ton of type. It's incredible. And they just have so many options. So there are other book arts, uh, Center for Book Arts in the country. So it, it may not be, you know, related per se, but there are centers for book arts and for letterpress printing and printmaker studios and things like that in 
the whole country. Um, Letterpress Commons actually has a really cool um, plan a trip uh, feature, and you can just on their website look at people who've registered. I think, are you on there? Yeah. Have you registered for yeah. that? Yeah, me too. So you can find us um, and see what presses we have and what we offer and all of those things are listed there. So like whether you're just looking to meet other printers or if you want to learn about printing or take classes or if you're somebody who's a designer and wants to look up who does die cutting in your area um, or who does letterpress in this area, that kind of thing, um, they have all of those options on Letterpress Commons. So that's a good resource as well, which we've talked about a ton, but um, we're not sponsored by them. <laughs> <laughs> we just have used the shit yeah, out of letterpress commons in our own. Yeah, lives. there's not a so. ton of like letterpress resources the way that there might be for other industries. Like, let's just take podcasting for example. You type the word podcast into Google, yeah. and there are limitless blogs, uh, companies, like people who want to help you start this stuff. That's not how it is for letterpress. It is a little bit more niche. Yeah. So um, we will continually reference letterpress commons. Um, even Boxcar has like a really amazing like yeah. educational resource on their website. Especially if you're a designer. Yes. Yeah. So there's a few. And then, of course, Briar Press and a couple trustworthy yeah. Facebook groups. So that's really it. Yeah. Those are like the yeah. main go-tos. They're yep, like the so. uh, Google or Wikipedia, I should say. They're like the Wikipedia of uh Yeah, they're they're like they're like the Reddit of the letterpress industry, I feel like. Like let okay, Briarpress is like the Reddit. Yeah. Let me just say. Briarpress is <laughs> Briarpress's interface is like the Reddit. <laughs> yeah. You're... It seriously is. Yeah. So Briarpress is like a forum and it's great to ask questions and uh, to br like read through other people's questions because there's also pretty good like depth now, you know, there's been, it's been in existence for a, you know, a few years. So oh yeah, you can look back at questions from 2014 or 2013, whatever it started. And it's helpful because there's a lot of, I think I've gone back as far as 2009. I think it's been around really? for a really long time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's, you know, there's a little bit of depth and, you know, somebody has probably asked the question that you have in mind. Um, that's how I figured out what kind of motor I needed for my press was just scouring all the comments of other people's posts on Briar Press. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's our industry in a nutshell. Uh, how'd you figure that out? Well, I read through all of the comments <laughs> and all of the posts and all of Briar Press. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. So here's the dangerous thing. This one person. Here's the dangerous thing. Um, when you go to look for something on Briar Press, like, I don't know, one day I wanted to know what the, um, like, I wanted to know some specs on my machine since there's not a lot of stuff. And I was like, somebody out there has to know this. So I was just looking up stuff yeah. relative to my machine. You get down such a rabbit hole because somebody may ask the exact same question as you or something similar. But then like within the response, there are so many other little things and you're like, oh yeah, what about that? Da -da -da -da. And like next thing you know, <laughs> four hours have gone by, it's dark out, you've skipped dinner and uh, totally. you've got a lot of extra knowledge, but not the thing you were looking for. <laughs> Happens to me all the time. Yeah. And again, with the, like we've, I've, we've said this a bunch already, I'm sure, but like you get four answers whenever you ask something. There's four different answers in the comments. And, like, it's up to you to determine which one you want to go with. Um, you know, there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of personal opinion in mm -hmm. 
something that's not super like scientific. So, um, and all, yeah, you just have to filter through all of that. And but. because everyone's talents are so, um, like you work really hard for these talents. Like you don't become a letterpress printer yeah. and, you know, like whatever on a whim, like it's, it takes a lot of time. So when someone's asking you for your advice and you give it, Says us. you get, no, but we still put a lot of time into, I mean, we're at the beginning of the time, yeah. but it's still like, yeah. you know, by the time we're one yeah. of the Johns giving out advice yeah. <laughs> on Briar Press, <laughs> we will have invested time into it. And you get so yeah, passionate about it because you know, like you have some experience, like when someone tells you that what you're asking about is going to break a machine, likely they have witnessed a machine breaking. And so they feel very passionate about yeah. that answer. Now, does that mean it's actually going to break true. your machine? I don't know. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> but, you know, they're going to they're gonna be real passionate about telling you that. And then it's just, you know. Yeah. Grain of salt grain for of sure. Salt. Um, respect to the people who've come before you and have witnessed those things and you know, I think it's just knowing that, like, you know, taking words of caution with, like, you know, keeping that in the back of your mind when you do try something and, you know, taking words of encouragement uh, with a little grain of salt, you know, always helps. You know, it's like you have to find that middle ground and that's up to you to determine, like, where that is based on the feedback you get. But, uh, yeah, we're just here to add our fourth opinion or our fifth opinion <laughs> into the into the yeah. pot. Um, but, yeah, I mean, and that's like, you know, the amateur opinion, here, right? We just want to be able to. Yeah, we just want to be able to learn together. That's, you know, what we're Yay. here for. So, well, speaking um, of learning, ask us those questions and hopefully we know. Yes, please ask us any questions. Um, and if you have any questions about flatbed press is <laughs> If you have any question about <laughs> flatbed presses, please or flatbreads <laughs> or flatbreads. <laughs> please dm us on instagram um at hot off the press pod and ask us your questions and we will answer them on future episodes and stay tuned because fun topics are ahead if you've really been enjoying these please subscribe and leave us a review we would love it it means the whole world to a budding podcast um and yeah come hang out with us on instagram We'll probably post some photos of the things we talked about today. And we can't wait to see you next week. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs>